Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Seeds and Weeds podcast, brought to you by Small House Farm. If you're looking to celebrate plants and the people that love them, then this is the podcast for you. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Bevan Cohen. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. We've got another fun show lined up for you today. We're going to be sitting down for five questions with Zach Lokes to talk about his work at the Ecosystem Solution Institute. And we're going to learn a little bit more about micro landscaping. Very cool stuff. It was a fun interview. Afterwards, we're going to be jumping into a tomato extravaganza because I have got tomatoes on my mind. So you're going to want to stick around for that. Now, when this episode airs, Heather and I are going to be hitting the road for the Mother Earth News Fair in Lawrence, Kansas. I'll be giving a few talks at the fair. We're going to have a small house booth, and I'm going to be helping to organize the first ever Mother Earth News Fair seed swap. So it's going to be a pretty busy weekend for sure. Zach is also scheduled to be speaking at the fair, so it seemed like a good time to have him on the show. Now, before we jump into all that, I just want to give a quick shout out to Megan T for recently joining our Patreon. You know, this podcast is made possible through the support of our Patreon subscribers. We wouldn't be able to keep the podcast going without our patrons. So big thanks to Mega T and our other subscribers for believing in the show and helping us keep the doors open. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can find links to our Patreon at seedsandweedspodcast.com or directly at patreon.com slash smallhousefarm. Not only are you helping to keep the show on the air, but you'll also get all sorts of perks like small house products, books, seeds, and all sorts of other groovy things just for signing up. I've also dropped that link down in the show notes. Now let's get on to the interview. Zach Lokes is an educator, designer, and grower who specializes in edible ecosystem design. He also manages an award-winning farm and has written a handful of books, including The Permaculture Market Garden and The Edible Ecosystem Solution. Today, Zach is joining us for five questions. Hello, Zach. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Hey, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here, man. So we're going to do a quick round of five questions. Uh, Could you just tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and the work that you do? Yeah, for sure. You know, right now I, I, I run an educational institute, the Ecosystem Solution Institute, uh, that works to create solutions for catalyzing landscape change to edible biodiversity. So essentially, in a nutshell, we want to see more food growing in all the underutilized spaces we have in urban, suburban, rural areas. So I also run a farm where I nursery fruit trees and berries and herbs, and I work as an ecosystem designer, helping to fulfill that vision. And I'm a writer, educator, and just overall a guy that likes to get dirty in the soil, you know, and plant things. So to sum it up, you're a pretty busy guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty busy. I, my 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 jeans are covered in uh, grass stains. All right, cool, man. All right, so let's get into the five questions. The very first question, I'm going to put you on the spot right away. If you had to pick a favorite plant or plant family, what would it be and why? Oh, man. You know, it's not the first time I've had that question. I, You know, I used to always answer squash because I just love the way that they grow. They're big, they're abundant. And I want to say I have something really creative and new to say there. And I'm going to pick some really interesting variety of food plant. But actually, I think it's still squash but I'll give it with a little bit of an add-on. One of the reasons I love squash now um, as an edible ecosystem designer is it actually ties in with uh, fruit tree and berry and other sorts of plantings that are perennials um, as a succession. 
So it's a really good pioneer species to go in there and kind of hold the space as your perennial crops establish. And so that's why I love it now. Oh, I dig that. Now, if you had a favorite squash variety, what would it be? Oh, man, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the delicata in terms of eating and all of that. They're super tasty. They're small. You know, when I used to run my big market garden, they packed well in a crate, tender flesh, tender skin, all of that. But I also love like a big mama Hubbard, you know, like just in terms of pure volume as a homesteader. All right, here's your second question then. Could you please tell us a little bit more about your most recent farm or garden success? You know, I've been playing around a lot with different techniques for um, managing uh, fruit trees along laneways. And I've been really impressed with the creation of really long edible laneways using my two-wheel tractor and a power ridger. And so you can do this with hand tools too. Or you can use a two-wheel tractor, but I love this concept of a sort of linear food forest, really appreciating the space of your driveway or your fence line, the the simplicity of running your irrigation in a long line. So my success has just really been like honing in on that concept of like the, the, the line and being like, yeah, this is a successful design principle. So what kind of fruit trees work best for that sort of thing? Oh, man, I've been putting a lot of stuff. I mean, along my own driveway, I've got a double line on either side. So it's sort of like a triad, as I say. Um, on either side, like two double rows of trees with an in-between row and herbs. And I've got uh, apricots and European pears. Um, I have Asian pear and I have a lot of plums and some apples um, and then lots of berries and other, you know, companions, medicinals, herbs along in there, chives. I like to throw in bee balm, things like that. Okay, let's ask the opposite question then. What is one of your most recent failures in the garden? And more specifically, what is the lesson that you learned from a recent failure? Recent failure. Oh my gosh. I got so many failures, man. I'm like, I'm like a professional at messing things up. A lot of the work we do is literally, uh, I joke around, I say I'm like a professional tree killer because we trial like hundreds and thousands of varieties of plants uh, at this edible biodiversity conservation area. And we're killing plants to see like which ones will survive that far north. So I think that, you know, probably it's like most people, it's overstretching. It's doing a little more than you can. Um, and I do a lot, but I still find myself overstretching, uh, even though I'm a big advocate for simplifying your garden process. Um, and so I'd add into that a little bit of advice for home growers is like, I'm a big fan of promoting the concept of um, doing a crop rotation over multiple years where you focus in on just three vegetables, you grow them in your small plot, you do an excellent job in say 2023. And then the next year, 2024, you do three different vegetables. And then the next year, three different vegetables. So you gain that experience and you get to appreciate all those delicious, you know, varieties, but you're not trying to learn everything and do everything in the same year. And, you know, you don't end up with the pest problem. So I would say overstretching it is my biggest thing. I still do it. And I'm a big advocate for simplifying. I dig it. Okay, here's the next question. What is a current project that you're working on that you are very excited about? Well, yeah, I you know what, uh, what we're working on right now is we're getting these um, small, um, well, I'll say small and micro in the same sentence. And we're working on these micro landscapes where it's quite small. Uh, it represents ecosystem principles. So we use a lot of ecosystem design, mimicry of natural systems, layering, um, site suitable species, etc. So it's demonstrating a lot of cool principles. And we pair it with some educational signage. And the educational signage that we have developed is not just about saying, hey, look at this edible ecosystem. This is really great. Actually, the signage is developed to allow someone to immediately take the inspiration from seeing, tasting, smelling, touching that edible landscape, and then actually be able to go home and replicate it. The signage is showing you the steps to 
to repeat exactly what's in front of your eyes. Yeah, that is exciting. So when you say micro or small space, uh, what kind of space are you talking? Well, our base uh, size is five by five. So it's 25 square feet. Oh, that is small. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the base module. And then we'll do uh, five by 15 or we'll go up from there. It could be five by 30. But, you know, the idea is that it has everything right there that someone can just get inspired and then learn what they need to learn and then replicate that planting in another part of the community. So a five by five, 25 square foot edible ecosystem. Give me kind of a rundown of the plants that I might expect in that sort of a situation. Right. So they'd all be site suitable to your climate, to your soil, your moisture, all of that. Right. Um, And then we have a design matrix that sort of allows you to arrange and pattern plants in a specific way. I can plug our course at ecosystemu.com. But ultimately, it depends on um, all of those factors. And then you might have a bunch of variants. And that's where you can pattern them together. So first, we would choose the type of ecosystem. So let's say we're choosing a woodland ecosystem, we'd have a key species in there that's a fruiting tree. Maybe it's like uh, we, we like sour cherries up here because they're super hardy, very prolific producers. So it might be like a sour cherry in the middle. And then we would complement that with other uh, companion plants that are like herbs and ground covers. You know, we tend to be big fans of things like lemon balm, very delicious, really healthy, smells great. I also like chives. They're very uh, obviously onions are a great food, but they also are really early uh, bloomers. So you're attracting a lot of good pollinators into your area early on. So yeah, that's sort of like an example there. That's excellent. And give me the link for the course again. Yeah, so that's Ecosystem U. So Ecosystem and then uh, U for university.com. And uh, you can register for the school free. We sometimes have free courses on there as well. Um, But then we also have an Ecosystem Design Intensive Cert right now available, uh, which is a preparatory class for our full 144-hour Ecosystem Design Certification or EDC. Awesome. I'm going to put that link in the show notes as well so folks can just click right through that if they're interested. Now, here's question number five, my friend. What is a project that you are not involved in, but you're still really excited about it? So who's your shout out? You know what? I really like what's happening in a lot of these urban areas, like what's happening in Detroit, the Michigan Urban Farming Initiative. They're doing cool stuff. So shout out to the people in Detroit who are rocking it and everyone else around the world putting in lots of, you know, urban gardens and suburban gardens. You know, that's awesome. And that is five questions with Zach Lopes. Zach, where can people find you online if they would like to connect with you? What are your links? You can find me on Instagram and YouTube, also Zach Lopes. So I'm trying to do more of that sort of social media type thing, you know? So if, I, uh, <laughs> if I'm if uh, i getting some stuff done this year, you'll see some good stuff coming up. And um, you can find us at ZachLokes.com and the Institute is EcosystemSolutionInstitute.com. So lots of places to find out more. Fantastic. Thank you again for being on the show my friend. It was a ton of fun hanging out with you. Yeah, for sure. Wait, I got a surprise question for you. Okay. All right. One question in in uh, 30 seconds. What is your favorite vegetable plant? Oh, so you're going to ask me my own question. Yeah. Um. So Asian greens, Asian greens is what I'm going to say. And I would have said something different every single year. Um. You know, I kind of get like over fascinated with one plant every time. This last year was Asian greens to the max. I grew as many different um, as I could, different varieties. Yeah, it's good stuff. I used to grow a lot of Asian greens as like a, a salad mix at the market. And my favorite thing was if they're baby, they're delicious in salad. And if they get a little bit too big, they're so good stir fried, right? You got it. It keeps on giving. Oh, man. Stellar answer. Well, Zach, again, thank you so much for being on the show. This has just been a blast. I can't wait to hang out with you a little bit more when we're all together at the Mother Earth News Fair in Kansas, um, which is coming up just in the next couple of days here, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm psyched. We'll see you there.
All right. That was a good time. Now, as always, I've put Zach's links down in the show notes, and you can also find them on our website, seedsandweedspodcast.com. You know, spring is a busy time of year. I'm on the road promoting my new Grow Great Vegetables books. It's planting season. There's just so much going on. But right now, the only thing on my mind is tomatoes. Lately, I haven't been able to stop thinking about tomatoes. There's this talk that I've been giving this spring, and I'll be giving it at all the mother news fairs this year, too. Kansas, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. It's been a pretty popular presentation. It's called Let's Talk Tomatoes, America's Favorite Fruit. It's a fun talk. The first half is exploring the history of tomatoes, from a wild Central American fruit all the way through domestication, and then its introduction into Europe. From there, we follow the tomato into Italy, through Turkey, and over to India, and we explore the many ways that this little fruit impacted the cultures and cuisines of all the people it's met on its journey. Then the tomato makes its way back to the United States. So many different varieties are brought by European immigrants in Ellis Isle or Asian immigrants that came into the U.S. through San Francisco. I talk about Alexander Livingston. I talk about Campbell's soup and America's top two favorite condiments, ketchup and salsa. I mean, tomatoes are everything. In the second half of the presentation, I talk about growing tomatoes, some tips on seed starting, transplanting, trellising and harvesting, and of course, seed saving. As some of the talks during the Q&A, some people have asked me, what's my favorite tomato? I mean, how do you answer that question, right? In the Seeds and Weeds Facebook group, I posed a similar question for folks. I asked everyone what their favorite type of tomato was. Not variety per se, just the type, you know, cherry, beefsteak, Roma, Oxheart. People in the group were pretty divided on the answers. Everybody likes something different. You know, that makes sense. And some people couldn't answer the question without plugging their favorite variety anyways. Dan Traina said, I love them all for their differences, but no matter what, I've always got a green zebra in the mix. Ralph Kuhn, he says, I love them all, but my favorites are mortgage lifter for beefsteaks and Santa Maria as a paste tomato. But I think that Dawn Devereaux might have had the best answer. She said her favorite kind of tomato is the one that's in her mouth. I can't argue with that. I think that's probably my favorite too. More than 100 people voted in the poll and the overwhelming choice for favorite tomato was beefsteak. It is, after all, the best tomato for sandwiches and the perennial favorite, the BLT. That being said, it still leaves the question, what's the best tomato variety? And, you know, that's subjective. We'll never all agree on that. Here at Small House every year, we have a tomato tasting event where we sample all the different varieties that we grew and we all vote on what our favorite tomato is. You know, the tomato tasting, it's one of our most popular YouTube videos every year. I'll put a link to the uh, 2022 video down in the show notes so you can check it out. Last year, we sampled some killer tomatoes like uh, Thorburn's Terracotta, the Costoluto Genovese, the Porto Cortez Cherry Tomato, Aunt Eula's Rockhouse Yellow, Old Carolina, Pacala Pink, but only one tomato reigned supreme. And last year, everybody's favorite was the Porto Cortez. It's a tangy little cherry tomato from the Honduras. Now, out of all the tomatoes we grew last year, only a couple of them made it into the rotation for this year's garden. In our 2023 tomato garden, we're going to be seeing some returning favorites. Aunt Eula's Rockhouse Yellow, the Old Carolina, and the Costoluto Genovese. But we're also going to be growing some new-to-us varieties, like the Pantano Romanesco, Jellico, Livingston's Paragon, Pomodoro Scatolone, and a really pretty tomato called Pink Jazz. And of course, we're going to be doing another tomato tasting video again this year, so we'll see which variety takes the title of Best Tomato 2023. Well, there you have it. We've come to the end of another show. Thanks again to Zach Lokes for being on the podcast and for answering five questions. Remember, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can always join our Patreon. You can find that link and many more at seedsandweedspodcast.com. This episode was edited and produced by all of us here at Small House Farm. The music you're listening to right now is some French jazz by William King. 
I'm Bevan Cohen, and we'll see you next time. Howdy, friends. Bevan here. You know, the Seeds and Weeds podcast is made possible in part by Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company, rareseeds.com. They're America's top source for rare and heirloom varieties from around the world, and they're publisher of the whole seed catalog. Their 2024 catalog is chocked full of heirloom goodness, new varieties, recipes, stories, and gorgeous photographs. You can order yours now at rareseeds.com.